Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast. Mornings with Taylor and Jen. Oh, I'm sure the Don Knotts movie was truly scientific. That, that's not a documentary? Life 107.1. Could you be an astronaut? We were wondering about this yesterday. And turns out there's a resource to help you find out if you could be an astronaut. Yeah. You can take a test. Find out if, you know, they were really, really in a pinch and needed astronauts, if they would come to you or not. Turns out, if Taylor and I were the last two people on Earth, Taylor would be the better choice. <laughs> but not by much. <laughs> yeah. I uh, So th- there is a literal online test. It's at astronaut-test.com. We actually have a link on our Facebook page if it you would like to go out there and take the test. Very official and important. It says that the questions are based on official NASA astronaut candidate requirements, so... Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is a pretty accurate representation sure. that probably I'm not qualified to be an astronaut. <laughs> you. I got a 46% I'm... on this test. We didn't. I got a 41. I mean, we we aren't even halfway what they're looking for for astronauts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they, they grade you on all these levels. Um, apparently, I don't have the demeanor to be an astronaut. Oh, see, here's the thing. I got an 80% in demeanor slash personality. Yeah, I got 40 <laughs> You got a forty percent personality and a zero percent education, so I don't know what I was expecting. Not having taken astrophysics, but apparently, I don't have the college degree required to go to outer space. I am amazed and agog at astronauts. I mean, what our astronauts do anymore is amazing to oh, me. Yeah. They go and they hang out in a space station yeah. for six months at a time. Space exploration and research. I mean, you got to be. Athletic, you've got to be smart, you've got to be well educated. We found out you got to be a lot of things that Taylor and I aren't. So you can actually take this test. We posted a link to it on the Life 107.1 Facebook page, but we just wanted to know do you think you could be an astronaut? When you guys said, could you be an astronaut? I didn't even go to how much knowledge do you have? I went to, okay, am I fun enough to be an astronaut? <laughs> I thought, I think I am. <laughs> I am a total blast. And then I thought, okay, wait. Wait a minute. I get car sick and I don't like to go upside down. <laughs> so that kind of blows it a okay. little bit. Yeah. All those years of training that they have, do you think they try to like train you right out of being car sick? Um, I think that's one of the things they try to do. I saw that Don Knotts movie. And they spin him around in the centrifuge thing. Oh, I'm sure the Don Knotts movie was truly scientific. That, that's not a documentary? There are three people for sure that I know will not be on the International Space Station. Number one, me. Number two, Taylor. Number three, Don Knotts. And I know, <laughs> aside from the fact that he's no longer with us, if you ever saw The Reluctant Astronaut, you know that he didn't have what it took. But you can find out if you have what it takes. Mm-hmm. You can go to Life1071.com's Facebook page, and you can take an astronaut test, and it'll tell you if you have the right stuff. Apparently, there's another way that you can find out if you have the right stuff. There's a show on Disney Plus called The Right Stuff. I didn't know if you guys had heard of it. I have heard of it. I haven't seen it. It's really good. It's okay. probably a little bit more in tune with uh, what really goes on in training than the Don Knotts movie. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen the Don Mons movie. I'm just making a strong inference. So you've seen the series on Disney Plus. After seeing the series, do you think that you could be an astronaut? 
Oh, no. Why no. not? I'm not smart enough. Well, I don't care to learn about those topics enough. <laughs> and I don't think I'd make it through the uh, thing that twists and turns them all around. Oh! Yeah, they got to spin you around. So they have one of those at amusement parks and stuff like that. You can go practice. You just go train at Adventureland. <laughs> I don't go to Adventureland. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's your first problem. So, gals that have done this before, just imagine... You're extremely pregnant. Remember that feeling? <laughs> Being very pregnant. Just imagine that you have to get on the back of a donkey and go hundreds of miles to your betrothed, his hometown. That's you're, what... you're engaged to the dude. You're not even married yet. No, because you're pregnant with God's child, yeah, right? There's, you know, there's that whole there's complication. That. Okay, so you're young and you're pregnant and you have to have a baby and it's God's baby and you're on the back of a donkey or camel and you're traveling to your engaged guy's hometown. Why do you have to go there? Because the government's like, hey, you got to go to your hometown so we can count you up. The foreign government under which your people have been subject for years. The foreign government is holding a census and you have to go back to his hometown for the purpose of being taxed. (laughs) So safe to say, not a convenient thing for Mary and Joseph. I'm sure there was... Thing. Nobody was yeah. like jubilantly going to their hometown being like, yay. I'm sure there was a lot of anger, yeah. a lot of, oh my goodness, this is so unfair. I can't believe we've got to do this. This is a little bit crazy. And yet, in the story, we've got Mary, heavily pregnant, going <laughs> to Bethlehem, and then you know the rest of the story. But God used a census and taxes <laughs> to get his son born in Bethlehem to fulfill all the prophecies. God doesn't waste anything. God doesn't waste anything. Even a government census and taxes. (laughs) This might be the thing that makes your house the most like everybody else's and also the most unique from everybody else's. What you do with your Christmas stockings? because everybody has stockings. Almost everybody has stockings. But it seems like everybody has their own philosophy on what they're actually there for. Ours was you'd open it first thing Christmas morning and you didn't have to get mom and dad up to go through them. So they got a little bit more sleep. Oh, that was your rule? And then it was, you would get things like, um, like maybe there'd be a t-shirt or a CD that didn't actually fit in the stocking, so it'd be underneath the stocking, and you get some candy. Underneath it? Yeah, like it would be hanging on the mantle, and then you'd just put the CD down there underneath it. It's, okay. It's in the stocking in spirit. I get it. It's a stocking gift. Okay. But then the, the big thing that my mom has enjoyed putting in stockings lately is something cheap that makes her laugh. <laughs> A gift like, for her. Like if there's just like a funny <laughs> gift that relates to one of us or doesn't relate to us at all, but she thinks it's funny, it's going in the stocking. <laughs> I've opened the, the cheapest dollar store things that are just hilarious and we play with them for, I don't know, like five minutes as, you know, Before as grownups break. even. But it's just this fun kind of, you do it first thing in the morning, you go through those stockings and then you move on to the other presents. That's great. So it's your fun. Mo- your mother uses the stocking as a way to make herself laugh. It's her own amusement. And then also a buffer time so she and dad could sleep in a little bit longer. You were right, Taylor, when you said the way that a family deals with their Christmas stockings can really set them apart from everybody else. Because I think almost everybody has a little bit of a unique thing that they use them for. One of the traditions that my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law have is throughout the years, my mother-in-law uses gift cards 
when she uses it, she'll put it in a pile, and then she gives all the used ones that still have something on them to my sister-in-law, and she has fun figuring out maybe there's 20 bucks, maybe there's a dollar. <laughs> it's like a treasure hunt for her. <laughs> your mother-in-law puts used gift cards in your sister-in-law's stocking. Yeah, but they're in a pile, so she knows they're used. It's not like, oh, mom, I went to go use this. This is like had 37 she, cents she on it. She right? knows but, it might have 37 cents. But there might also be a $20 one. Oh. So for her, it's a treasure hunt. How did she come up with that? You know, I I don't remember. <laughs> Probably came to one Christmas and was like, I forgot to put stuff in the stockings. <laughs> that would be my mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> it literally got so bad that it started to be funny. Really? My mother and her philosophy on stockings. Oh, yeah, yeah. Christmas stockings. We all had Christmas stockings that she made when we were itty bitties. Mm -hmm. And every year for Christmas, we got to the point where we actually even forgot opening the Christmas stockings because we knew what was in there. Anything that we needed from the grocery store or Walmart or Target between November 1st (laughs) and December 25th. Toothpaste, toothbrushes, deodorant, packs of underwear, socks, film for my 35 millimeter camera, stuff like that. That was the type of stuff that my mother would wrap up and put in our Christmas stockings. We have lots better things than yours, Jen. I'm sorry. No no deodorant in yours? You should feel bad for me. I always gave the kids things that they didn't get otherwise, like uh, the little jello cups and the little pudding cups. Oh. Special flavors, you know, like banana cream pie and triple chocolate striped stuff. And, and always had more than would fit in the stocking, so we also put it underneath their stocking yes. for the extra. <laughs> and they would open it first thing, and that's kind of what they had for breakfast. Candy and granola bars and pudding and stuff. So I bet they were bouncing by the time it was time to get to their real oh, presents. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're really starting to find out that every family treats the Christmas stocking a little bit differently. Yeah, what do you do with your stockings? My mother, uh, bless her heart, <laughs> uh, grew up with a depression, and they had very, very little. And so their Christmas stocking was a real stocking, you know, someone's big sock, whoever nice. has a foot. And there was a giant apple and a giant orange. She carried that over to us as we grew up as well, too. So I, indeed, my children get the same thing, although I did make a crafty stocking for them. It's not dad's big sock, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) I just think that's kind of special, you know, makes you think of times where you didn't have plentiful. I like that. I do, too. Dr. Heidi, I feel like I read these articles. Yes. About productivity, about health, about just about everything, and it's filled with, you should do this. They're so inspiring. (laughs) Until I actually try to do them, it's, you should wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning to have your devotional and prayer time. You should have all your meals made for the week on Sunday. You should do this, you should do this, you should do this, and I feel like I can do it. Until I start trying. Until you and then, we always say that it's like five easy steps. Right, right, right. We say, I have a problem. I want my family to be healthier. I know I need to work out. And then we say, what's the solution? And then they have these. We're inspired. Right. Who's we're they? inspired. Whoever the they is. I don't know. The, the internet. The, the, the internet. The people writing these articles about getting up at three o'clock in the morning. We've never met them. <laughs> we're not sure they exist. But they are writing articles somewhere. And here's the problem. We have to plan to succeed. We can't plan to fail. If we plan to meal prep all of our meals on Sunday so we have healthy meals all week, 
that only works if we have nothing else to do all day on Sunday, right? <laughs> so that takes margin. I don't have that much margin. No. Do you have that much margin? No. And right? even if I did, I don't think I'd want to be meal prepping with it. You don't want to chop vegetables with no, it. Right? No, thank you. Right. That works for some people. For a lot of people, it does not work. But we get into these modes where we recognize something in our family dynamic maybe isn't working right and we want to solve it. But instead of realistically looking for a solution, we set ourselves up to fail by having a dramatic intervention when a simple intervention might be a better idea. So we've got to find ways to set ourselves up to succeed rather than fail. What? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So let's look at this for a second. Sure. So if my goal is for me and the kiddos to eat more healthy through the week. Right. I know I can't take all day on Sunday to meal prep. What is a more realistic goal where I set myself up to succeed. And that really depends on who you are, what you like to do. Do you love to cook? Do you hate to cook? Do you, does your family tend to eat out? Do you need to pick a healthier restaurant to grab food from on the way home? Mm-hmm. There's lots of options that are one step closer to success that don't involve eight hours of chopping vegetables on Sunday. Yeah. And so it takes looking and saying, okay, what is the next step? What is one change that I can make that's going to work better? Well, like I start with one meal a week is going to be soup and vegetables. Get your crock pot up. Okay. Right? Like my plan is I don't cook five days a week. I work late Tuesday, Thursday. So I try to cook Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, iffy. I try to cook Monday, Wednesdays. Then we can eat leftovers Tuesday, Thursdays. Mm -hmm. Leftovers are amazing. But that's the plan that works for us because that's our pattern and that fits in our rhythm. Mm -hmm. So thinking about, okay, where do I have a little bit of wiggle room? And maybe that wiggle room is stopping by Hy-Vee and picking up a pre-made fresh meal to eat when you get home. Do you think it sounds defeatist to recognize who you are? Like, for example, I know me. I'm not a massive exercise fan. Right. (laughs) I knew that something had to be done before the winter. So I got myself a treadmill that Mm -hmm. I literally sat up right in front of the television. Love it. And I did not tell myself I would do it for half an hour a day. I did not tell myself that I would do it for certain hours of the week. No, no. I told myself 10 minutes a day. And I don't care if it's in your bare feet because I know me. Yeah. And I know that anything more than that would be setting myself up to fail. So, so far, I've worked my way up to 15 minutes in my bare feet. I love that, right? I love that because you know yourself well enough that you found a solution that works for you. And it's not CrossFit at three o'clock in the morning. No, it's not. Right? <laughs> and that's when we have to stop looking at someone else's life and someone else's habit and saying, that should work for me. What's wrong with me that I'm not them? And this really is about giving yourself permission to be you and to recognize what works and what success looks like for you. If I'm perfectly honest, this time of year, I can experience a little bit of guilt. Really? Because the time comes to start decorating our house, Mm -hmm. and I spend the decoration time on the couch watching it happen. Why is that, Taylor? Because Lindsay does all of the decorating for us. Like, literally, she, she does it all, and I sit and I watch her, and she wants to do it that way. And I'll be like, Lindsay, I am happy to help you if you want me to. But if you don't want me to, I am super happy to just sit here and listen to music and read a book. Let's think about this. Why do you think your lovely wife doesn't want you to help? Because she got high standards. (laughs) And you am not her. (laughs) It's Listen, it, it has nothing to do with my ability to decorate. Are you sure? 
sure? It has everything to do with me not being her. Have you seen the one part of your office that you decorate? I know. I would make a mistake, but Martha Stewart could come in there and Lindsay would still be like, no, I'm doing this. You really think that? Yes. You really has, Martha Stewart. She has specific visions of how she wants to decorate, and ain't nobody going to tell her different. <laughs> Set the scene. It's the happiest time of the mm-hmm. year. You're in your house decorating for Christmas. Are you doing it alone, or is it a team sport? Part of it's team. I prefer to decorate the house myself. But the kids are in charge of all the windows, like the decals and stuff. Oh! You do the window decals. <laughs> and then the tree is a team sport. How old are your kids? Four, eight, and ten. You have a four-year-old helping with the Christmas tree, huh? <laughs> yes. It is. It's, it's interesting. I, I bet <laughs> it is. So you can tell which side of the tree she does, because it's just covered. <laughs> I mean, there's no tree. You can't see any tree. I think it was Saturday. I was... Just kind of going around the house, doing my Christmas decorating, Mm -hmm. watching my Christmas movie. At that point, I can't remember what it was because I always decorate alone at Christmas time. I always, I always do. It's just, it's just my deal. You're a lone decorator. And I have two almost fully adult children who have their own lives and they both worked on Saturday. So I was alone in the house, Bagel the Beagle, Jen, Maggie the Big Fat Orange, tabby cat and he's not helping he was hurting as a matter of fact because he kept trying to eat the lights and i was doing my decorating and i was happy and then my daughter came home oh and she walked in she put her keys in the bowl and she put her bag on the table and she looked around and she's like mom looks great oh was like thanks piper she's like yeah hold on she walks over to the box of christmas ornaments picks one out Puts it up on the tree, dusts off her hands, looks at me and says, now I can say I helped. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I grew up hearing the Christmas story over and over every year. And and those images and those scenes become just like part of my childhood, part Mm -hmm. of my identity. But I think sometimes they lose some of the... The realness, the more you hear them, you kind of forget about how amazing these things are. So think about it this way. Think of one of your best friends, even Lindsay. Think mm-hmm. of Lindsay. But think of, think of that person that you love the most in the world. Would you be willing to walk over 100 miles or five days straight to get to them? That is a lot of walking. That's what Mary did. Yeah, because you've got the story of she figures out her cousin is pregnant with uh, the guy who ends up being the John the Baptist, uh, John the Baptist, and she's thrilled because no one thought Elizabeth was going to be able to have a child, and she's going to go visit her. And Mary's pregnant, yeah, with God's baby. And then in the Bible, you basically read she walked to go see her mm-hmm, to go see Elizabeth. Yeah, but, but what you don't realize is. It was really far. The di- the distance between these two towns, if you just kind of do a straight line, it's about 80 miles. But you got to walk on roads to wind around the mountains and to go up the hill and stuff. So Mary probably walked about 120 miles. And this wasn't just like going down the really nice streets in town. She's going through like the mountains where there were a lot of burglars who would like to ambush passing caravans. We don't even know if Joseph went with Mary. The Bible doesn't really say one way or the other. He may or may not have provided a little bit of a caravan like donkeys, maybe some protection. But for the most part, we know Mary was willing to walk over 100 miles to get to her friend Elizabeth 
to also fulfill parts of the prophecy. <laughs> so, I mean, props to Mary. First, she walks 120 miles to go see someone who's pregnant just so they can, okay, there's that prophecy. Now I'm going to ride a donkey while I'm super pregnant. I think this is so amazing just looking at the Christmas story in a way that I'd never seen it before. Jen? Yes. Nobody tried to stop me yesterday. Stop you from doing what, Taylor? I walked right into the store. <gasps> what store? And I bought it and I left and nobody said a word. What? Didn't check my credentials, didn't ask me any questions. Okay, obviously this wasn't the grocery store, so this must have been a store that had tools in it. <laughs> you just assume it's tools. <laughs> I went to Home Depot oh, and boy. they had full on like replace all the stuff in your toilet kits for like 20 bucks. Well, what and a deal. Anybody a, can buy it. Yeah. I can buy it. You had an issue with one of your toilets? Yeah, we, we had a toilet that was kind of, it was a very weak flusher. Okay. And I, I had noticed this kit another time when I came for something else. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. It can't be that hard. I mean, if you've just got it right at the front there, 20 bucks, not even checking my plumber's credentials. Okay, seriously, all good stories begin with how hard can it be? So I take this all-in-one toilet innard replacement kit. Like, it's got the flusher and the flapper and the floater and all the things. And, like, step-by-step instructions with photos. You can also go to YouTube to get it figured out. Wow, really? Yeah. And? Well, I got it done. Okay. It took me pretty much the entire afternoon. How long was it supposed to take you? Well, I I heard of uh, my friends who live in an apartment. Their maintenance person got theirs done in about five minutes. (laughs) Oh, this is a one-person project. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I did that. It's so easy. It only took me a couple of minutes. When you hear those things, you should just run. Don't believe it. No, because home projects always follow the rule of... Like in my house, 20. It's going to take at least 20 times as long as you think it's going to. I was going to finally put those little balances up that match the comforter, the Nemo underwater that had been on the twin beds forever. So you wanted to get the valances. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I finally bought the little curtain rod, you know, the little adjustable expandables right. that come with the little clip-ons and yeah. the little nails. So there was easy. Yeah. One person could do it. Absolutely. And then there were all of a sudden eight pieces of curtain rods, it felt like. <laughs> and... Oh, it was terrible, and and then they would slide apart, and then when I finally, finally got those little puppies up, my son said, it's crooked. No! And I mean, you're always a little trepidatious when you're purchasing something like this online, but then you feel reassured because it says right there in black and white lettering, one person assembly. Oh, that's and easy. You think to yourself... I'm a person, mm-hmm. so that means that, therefore, I can assemble this all by myself. And if it's one-person assembly, it must be easy, yeah. right? Or at least easy enough. So what do I do? Click the buy, and I buy it. And I get my dresser sent to me. I have a new house in Des Moines. I need a dresser because I don't want my clothes on the floor. So the dresser comes, I mean, getting it inside from the porch is enough of a workout. Getting it undone and laid (laughs) in pieces, I mean, it's a dresser. There must have been 427 pieces. 
got all like the screws laid I out mean, and all the shelves yeah. and all the little wooden pegs that you yep. don't even know where that's going to go. You know, and you think, okay, I'm just going to lay it out in the middle of the living mm-hmm. room floor, going to turn on some Netflix, I'm going to assemble this, and in a few hours, I'll have a nice new dresser. Yeah. And I came to the conclusion, it's true. It can be assembled by one person. Okay. As long as that person is not me. <laughs> oh, so qualified, like one qualified person. It couldn't be me. Or one because person with robot arms. By the time I was done, I wasn't done. By the time the dresser <laughs> got done, it had taken three people to put okay. it together. And the coup de grace was my son telling me, Mom, from now on, anything like this that comes, you let me take care of it. <laughs> Happy Advent season as we're leading up to Christmas. It hit me how surprising the whole plan of sending Jesus in to save us really was. I mean, when you really seriously think about it and don't take it for granted, it's a bit mind blowing. It's a twist ending. <laughs> yeah. Because, it's I mean, twist ending. <laughs> God's people knew that he was sending them a savior. Like, right away from Genesis, it was like, you're going to have this kid who's going to crush the serpent's head, mm-hmm. and you hear about the Prince of Peace and th- this conquering hero. And so, of course, everybody's expecting, you know, like angels coming down from heaven or a, a conquering king who finally raises up. And then the day of Christmas morning comes and God sends a baby. <laughs> Well, this, okay, a, a baby. So now we have to wait for him to grow up before he saves us. Right. And then he comes up and all of the demonic forces that know what's going on decide, okay, we're going to finish him off. And they manage to kill Jesus. But then they realize, oh, Jesus getting killed was part of the plan. <laughs> like God sends a baby who then grows up, gets killed because people get angry at him. And somehow that's supposed to save the world. Like, Christmas is a season of surprises, and the fact that Jesus gave up his life after being born, running around homeless with a bunch of smelly fishermen, (laughs) I just think that's so beautiful and wonderful. I think that is just the facts of life, is that the generation behind you is going to be the generation that's better at technology than you are. Oh, I mean, good grief. Whenever something goes wrong in my house, the first thing I do, Ben! I know. Ben! Well, now my little nieces are the ones who are like showing me how to do stuff on my phone. I'm like, I don't think my phone does that. And they're like, no, 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 you just blah, 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 and then they fix it. How does that feel, Taylor? Probably about how my dad felt when I played a little prank on him. What did you do? Okay, he was uh, working on a Sunday school lesson. He taught Sunday school at our church, and he was going over the book of Genesis. Okay, and when was this? Boy, I would have been probably junior high age. Okay. And right around that time, I discovered that if you go into Microsoft Word, there are autocorrect options. Oh my goodness. What did you do? Well, I made it so that every time he typed the word Genesis, (laughs) Microsoft Word would automatically correct it to Exodus. Oh my word! Your dad must have been going crazy! And so he'd like type out Genesis and he'd space it out and probably wouldn't even see and then come back rereading and be like, why am I saying Exodus all this time? (laughs) Eventually, uh, I came clean about what was going on. He didn't find it as funny as I did. But I still think it was a pretty good prank. It's kind of a weird position to be in, but your kids are smarter at something than you are. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's technology. I mean, they just know technology better than we do. But if you are a kid listening, don't let it go to your head. (laughs) Don't get too uppity about it because you just might get it turned around on you. I had a friend who tried to get a little smug with her mom 
when they were even trying to teach her how to keep her VCR from blinking 12 all the time. Uh-huh. She turned around and looked at him and said, uh, don't get smug with me. I had to teach you how to use a spoon. <laughs> Oh, that is a great comeback. Touche! <laughs> I was proud of this. Mm-hmm. I went into my dad's laptop while he was working on a Sunday school lesson on the book of Genesis, and I just changed some settings so that every time he typed the word Genesis, Microsoft Word would say, we're going to change this to Exodus, <laughs> just because he needed a little bit more chaos in you his life. You messed with his autocorrect. A nice little technological prank, but apparently Joy's son went a step further. One of my teenage boys kind of did the same thing, except anytime I typed in the word home, like, are you coming home? It would come to the preamble of the Constitution. <laughs> <laughs> the entire preamble? The entire <gasps> preamble. That was a lot of work for him to set that up. Every single time you typed in the word home, your phone would auto-populate the preamble of the Constitution. I kid you not. This has been the Taylor and Jen Podcast. You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at Life1071.com or on the Life1071 app.